the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, the Director of Local Ministries. Don't forget that Operation Christmas Child National Collection Week is right around the corner, November 17th through the 24th. And you've got about 25 different Portland area drop-offs you can hang out at. I think Calvary Chapel Portland's just one of the many. And you can look up more information, pictures, and stories at the websites like OperationChristmasChild.org or SamaritansPurse.org, also on Facebook and Twitter. And our very special guest on the line right now knows a whole lot more about Operation Christmas Child for a 10 than I do. Not just any girl from Medford, Oregon, Zarina Jensen. How are you holding up today, Zarina? I'm doing so well. I'm glad to hear that. So as a bit of a representative for Operation Christmas Child now, tell us how your day went today. I'm curious. Hmm. Well, my day was actually pretty laid back. I spoke at a um, high school group, kind of like youth group, and um, it was really cool to see young kids get fired up about um, just giving and um, just young girls who just came up and there was one girl who's packed 100 shoe boxes, and that blew me because I usually just pack two, and I was like, wow. This one girl did 100 by all her, by her lonesome. That's fantastic. Now, how old was this uh, group that you spoke with, roughly? Uh, high school, so like maybe 15 to 18, 19. Is it inspiring to you as a young woman to see teenagers and kids in particular stepping up and wanting to do something positive with their time? Yes, it's. It's very encouraging because I feel that, um, you know, in the Bible it talks about how um, we shouldn't, uh, it talks about how we shouldn't, like, um, oh man, it's like about the age, like you shouldn't worry about the age, and and the Lord uses the young generation. I've recently seen in in the recent years that the Lord is, is using the young generation, and so I see that right now, even in different parts of the world rather than just Oregon. And just to recap our story from earlier on, you were in a Central Asian orphanage until a family in Oregon adopted you about, what, nine or so years later? So how old were you? Do you remember approximately when you received your first Operation Christmas Child shoebox that you described? Yes, I was about six or seven years old when I received my shoebox. And... How did that feel? I mean, here you are in this orphanage. All these other kids are around, and you, you mentioned yeah. a big dude came in, and he's carrying all of these boxes. How did you yeah. feel? Was it like Santa Claus walking in the room? Were you a bit intimidated, or what? Um, I think I was actually more, yeah, I was more afraid than anything. Um, but when I noticed the boxes, some of them were wrapped, and um, it looked like presents to me, and so I was... Afraid yet, like, excited at the same time. 
So even though you'd grown up in such an impoverished environment, you knew when something looked pretty and something was a gift and a present, and you felt that anticipation even if you were a bit tentative about it. Is, is that correct? Yes. So can you uh, remind us how that feeling was, just holding the box for the first time and then unwrapping it? Well, um, my heart was definitely beating fast. Um, it was something I'd never really tangibly held before, and I remember just holding it in front of me, and um, like I said, I looked around, and my friends, this face, like, kept on lighting up. All of them were excited. There was not one that was, like, you know, sad with what they received um, or, you know, their gift box, and I just remember, like, building up that um, that surprise, I guess, to me, mm-hmm. and I remember when I opened it, I it was just so many gifts. Like, I'd never seen so much. And I remember looking at the box and thinking, wow, this is all for me. And um, and there was, you know, there was a lot of things. Like, um, I found pencils. I found a journal. Um, I found a, a rubber bounce ball, but it was, like, one that when you hit it, it, like, lit up. Um, I think I found, like, some candy. And then my favorite was that stuffed bumblebee. And that stuffed bumblebee was so soft. Like, I'd never held anything really that soft before. And it was something that instantly reminded me of my mom. And, and, and something that I kept on thinking, like, oh, this is, like, from my mom. This is something she gave me for my birthday. Because, like I said, it was two weeks before my birthday. Uh, and so I thought she had given it to me as an early birthday present. And that was, like, a sign of her saying, I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. That's just but a beautiful then, thing. Yeah. Um, I did then realize um, that it wasn't from my mom. Um, when my parents came and uh, adopted, when they came into my country, um, my parents wanted me to experience the city that I, I was born in. And so they they were allowing my uh, brother and I to just walk around and just enjoy kind of like the little children things, I guess, that little children do, like amusement parks and not amusement parks, but like those merry-go-lands and whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, go around. I can't say those things. Um, I love carousels. They're just fun. They don't go anywhere, but they're fun, going up and down and around and the funny music. Yes. So my brother and I are standing in line, and my dad's right behind me, and I'm looking over. When I was young, I wondered a lot. I looked at everything because... Being in the orphanage, um, you were so contained that you really didn't um, get to go out that much. The only time you went out is to the, you know, to the field in front of you, and that's where you would play. And so I remember just looking around, and um, I was looking at this old dude, um, old dude. I remember looking at this old guy sitting on the bench, and right next to him was like the same box that I had seen um, when I had received my box. And so at that moment, I knew that it wasn't my mom that had given me that, that box. Mm. Um, but at that point, my, my parents had been packing shoe boxes like that for, for a while now. And so at that point, though I was kind of bummed that it wasn't my mom, it was like a, it was like a, um, a bittersweet, but not really. It was bitter for me, but sweet for my dad, because my dad was able to realize that these shoe boxes that he's been packing both of his, um, you know, me and my brother had received at one point. And so that was really cool to be able to experience with uh, my 
It, it is such a privilege to hear the story from the other end, the shoebox recipient, because on our end, maybe our church is into Operation Christmas Child. Maybe we've heard about it and we've dropped off packages at the mm-hmm. local drop-off center or a Christian bookstore or whatever place is taking collections. But to actually hear the story of a wide-eyed child and the experience of opening a box for the first time from your perspective is just simply beautiful. It really is. Mm-hmm. So do yeah. you find yourself as a result being a lot more kid-friendly, kid-centric, and sensitive towards children's needs because of your experience in the orphanage? Yes, yes, very much. And you mentioned that you have work as a nanny. I suppose you're really a, a, a pretty sharp one because in one sense, growing up in an orphanage, you're probably nobody's fool because you're used to to numbers. And at the same time, I bet you're sensitive towards the kids' feelings and you know what they're thinking or when they're they're hurting or when they're they're having yeah. joy inside, don't you? Yes. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I never actually have looked at it that way, uh, now that you mention it, but um I know that the Lord has given me a huge desire for kids and I never thought it would actually relate back to when I was in an orphan and um the desires that I had when I was young and so it really um, it baffles me even right now as I speak that, you know, I can relate with these kids in, to some extent um, in knowing what they desire. And, you know, as, as being, when I was young, when I was six or seven, and that's when I received the shoebox, I remember, you know, my desire was to be, to be loved by a mother or, you know, to have some kind of parent guardian to, to love me and stuff like that. Maybe even younger, I just, um, I collectively remember being at that age that I was aware of that. And, you know, I babysit five-year-olds and, uh, five-year-olds and down, and they, they desire the same thing. And so I think that's um, it's cool how you brought that up. Our very special guest is Zarina Jensen. Who better to know how the Operation Christmas Child Shoebox program works than an orphan who received a box herself as a young child and is making a difference in the world today. National Collection Week is November 17th through the 24th with 25 different drop-offs in the Portland area. More information is available at operationchristmaschild.org and more with Zarina Jensen next. Thanks for listening to Difference Makers. Hello, friends. My name is Mike Lee. Don't forget, Operation Christmas Child's National Collection Week is coming up November 17th through the 24th. And in the Portland area alone, you've got at least 25 different drop-offs that you can take to. In fact, if your church is not yet into Operation Christmas Child, there are plenty of churches and volunteers that would be happy to help you out in maybe launching your own packing party or collection site. And you can connect with these people through Facebook or Twitter or through the website OperationChristmasChild.org. It's a division of Samaritan's Purse. And as someone who has had loved ones taken advantage of in certain areas, I'm pretty diligent about looking into different nonprofits and charities and just making sure that our efforts and resources are going where we believe they should. So if you went to one of my favorite websites, CharityNavigator.org, you would notice that Samaritan's Purse, the parents' company, ranks 
Four stars out of four overall, a very good ranking for Operation Christmas Child. But enough business. Let's get to a nice young woman from Medford, Oregon today. Her name is Zarina Jensen. While everything seems normal enough for you as an Oregon young woman right now, can you tell us how your transition was when you first became adopted? Oh, yes. Um, So these people from Oregon, um, my parents, uh, shout out to Gary and Nancy, um, they had heard about this, um, basically they had heard about this opportunity from, um, opportunity to be able to just take in some kids and to adopt, um, some kids from, uh, an organization called Orphans Overseas and, um, our, well, their friend and my friend that, that when I came to know him, his name was Jack Smith and he just found out about this, made some brochures, and passed the news around, and uh, my parents were so very interested, and so they um, signed up right away, and um, eventually I got into their family, and I was adopted into a family of um, six, actually, um, which was quite surprising, but it was something I was used to because I was always with other kids. So it's almost as if God reserved a big family for you to make the transition more smooth, because you're used to a, a full house, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, when I was younger, it was, like, still kind of full, but, like, by the time that I was there, um, my two oldest brothers were kind of moved out and getting ready to get their lives settled with a wife and stuff. So um, it was kind of, you know, we had at least um, four in the house, um, and then and then my older sister was gone, I think, too. So it was um, it was definitely, I can say, one of the first things I noticed moving from the orphanage to America to the house that um, I still actually live in to this to this day, um, one of the first things I noticed was the amount of food that they had. Um, <clears throat> in Kazakhstan, our <clears throat> our usual tradition for food was you have oatmeal in the mornings, you have soup at night, and then whatever they had for leftovers, like potatoes, like sometimes we just eat a potato and cabbage. And so coming home to a house that had just apples, like, just on a plate, and it was there for grabs. Like, no one, you know, like, you could reach it, you could eat it, and, like, not be ashamed because, like, you know, there was just so much freedom. I remember one of the things in in the orphanage that was very, very rare and, like, really prized was their fruit. And they had these um, beautiful yellow apples, but they were so yummy because I'd never tasted anything so sweet. So I think it was almost like once a year we would have that opportunity. If you were a good kid, you would be able to eat an apple. And so we, I specifically remember standing in line and waiting for mine. And um, I guess I was a good kid, but um, I just remember coming to my home and, you know, to my new home and seeing how much fruit there was. And I loved it so much that, you know, my parents, um, my parents were so grateful and I would ask for fruit. Vladimir and I were just really stoked. We uh, we would ask for fruit, like, to have a snack at night before we go to bed, and every time it was fruit. Now, I really fell in love with bananas, and I would almost, I would, you know, I would eat as much as I can during the day, and I can't specifically remember how much I would eat a day, but it was so, that was, like, the, the main difference, like, the amount of food, and um, even, like, I, I loved fruit so much, like, I fell in love with it real quick, but... Um, one of the things that I was afraid of was, 
you know, if I didn't finish the food, that it, it was all going to go away. Like, there would be no food tomorrow, and there would be no food the next day. And so what I would do was I'd actually, like, store the food in my underneath my pillow and think, oh, like, I'm going to have this food. Like, if Dad and Mom run out of food, like, I'll have some as a backup, you know, for, for nights. And, um, and so I would do that. And um, so that was, like, the main difference, um, coming from the orphanage to a house that was just, you know, filled with food. I was, I was one of the big main differences. You know, Zarina, I don't think that's uncommon at all. I have friends who had adopted three boys from Africa, and they got them really young. And at the same time, having an orphanage background and mentality, they too would store food because it was just so ingrained in them that they had to do so. It took a long time for them to eventually release that. So you mentioned Vladimir. Is that your brother? Yes. So cool thing about him is um, when my parents were, um, once they had found out that they were going to adopt me, mm-hmm. um, at one point the, the, the director, basically the one that's in charge of all the orphanages, asked to see if, if they would be interested in, in um, adopting uh, Vladimir. His real name is Vova, but he changed it. And um, the cool thing is, was he was actually a friend of mine, and his orphanage was kind of like next door to it, to mine. Mm-hmm. Um, he would, I, I, I remember specifically having him, seeing him from my bedroom, looking out the window and seeing him go up to his or like he was walking about somewhere or something like that. And I saw him, he waved at me and I was just like, oh my goodness, he waved at me because I looked up to him so much. And, um, and then he became my brother and then things kind of changed and my feelings for him kind of changed, but I still love him. Uh, but that was, you know, Vladimir became my brother instead of just being my friend. But that is a beautiful thing. So are you two about the same age, or is there a big gap in your ages, um, or what? Yeah, there's about a four-year gap, I think. I think he's 24, 23. So was it a little bit easier for the two of you to make this transition together into this new family in Oregon for the first time, rather than have just one of you be adopted by this family that already had its other children? Yes. Uh, I am so very thankful um, that I had Vladimir um, just in, 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 in moving into a different culture and um, getting myself used to a different culture. It was a great thing to have Vladimir because um, I think in ways I actually understood what he was saying because I think they taught me a bit of the other language that he spoke. And um, I just remember thinking like, you know, he, he really like in my, in my mind, he looked out for me and he had the best interest for me and he wanted me to understand what mom and dad were saying. Um, and so that he, he would use motion he would use whatever he could to be able to explain to me what it is. Um, that mom and dad were asking of me or anything like that. Because when I came into um, to the home in Oregon, I, I had no um, no understanding of English. I had never heard of that language ever. So having Vladimir there was definitely a huge help. And how old were you at the time of your adoption? I was nine years old. So being nine, first of all, that's tough enough on a kid in the first place, much less being adopted for the first time and moving into a family and having to learn a different language. Zarina Jensen, I admire you, and I am just privileged to have you on as our special guest. OperationChristmasChild.org is where you could find more information about this wonderful ministry, which is a part of Samaritan's Purse. Don't forget about 
November 17th through the 24th, which is Operation Christmas Child National Collection Week. More with Zarina Jensen next on Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with two people especially to thank. Michael Ishmael from the Tacoma Office of Operation Christmas Child. He is the Northwest Regional Director who helped set up today's interview with Zarina Jensen. So, Zarina, are you ready for this long day to finally end after doing it in a radio interview and talking to kids at a school or what? No, definitely not. It's been quite a... Um, I've actually really enjoyed this uh, this speaking tour and being able to speak to different, um, just different, like, um, audiences. You know, from, from you talk to mothers, you talk to schools, you talk to churches, you talk to youth groups, and um, I've been doing all of that, and it just gives me a huge... Um, it, it opens my eyes to a, a bigger audience and realizing... Um, you know, the Lord doesn't just use old people or young people. I mean, old people. Um, no offense, but um, I'm taken. <laughs> <laughs> but he also uses the young people, like the youth groups, the high schools, and even uh, two-year-olds or uh, five-year-olds. He uses everybody. That's for sure. That's straight out of the Bible. We're having a, a great time hearing about you, Zarina, and about your finding an Operation Christmas Child box, and, and just the love that it brought to you. So, mm-hmm. folks, it's right around the corner, National Collection Week, November 17th through the 24th. It's people like Zarina in some of the poorest areas on the face of the earth that are receiving your shoe boxes from Operation Christmas Child. Not only are they receiving the basic needs of life that we still take for granted, from underwear to hygiene items, like toothbrushes, for crying out loud, but... Maybe it's a little stuffed animal bringing that child just a bit of warmth and a bit of love. So, Zarina, now that you've been in the United States for so long and you just sound as if you've assimilated for better and for worse into the American culture, can you tell us about your faith? Growing up in this adopted family in Oregon, when did you get to know Jesus in the first place? I'm curious. Well, it's interesting how that happened. Um, One of the ways... Um, my parents, actually not specifically my parents, but this name, the girl, girl, woman named Luda, um, taught us English, but in a way where the word was te- was taught. So she taught us English through Jesus and uh, sharing about Jesus and doing, um, you know, like uh, music about, you know, like play, uh, what do you call those, like kid songs about Jesus, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, or, like, the B-I-B-L-E and all that stuff. That's how I started picking up English. And then, bless my heart's mom, she would sit with me every day and, like, go through books um, <clears throat> to help me learn my English. But my faith, um, when I was 15 years old, I remember just sitting on my bed and just looking back at, at all that had happened and um, being now adopted and, and just thinking, wow. Like, this is not something I did. Like, I didn't call up when I was in the orphanage. I didn't call up somebody and say, can you please pack me a shoebox? Like, I really just need some stuff. Like, I really need a toothbrush. Um, I didn't do that. Like, the Lord did all of that. He he guided the whoever packed my shoebox. He guided that person. And then he, um, and then he just gave me greater gifts than just that shoebox. He reminded me of my mom. And, um, you know, it just all comes down to, like, how 
intricately designed our lives are in a way where, like, you know, my mom could have easily aborted me, but she decided to give me life. And so if it wasn't the Lord, you know, knocking on her heart saying, like, give this daughter up, like, have this baby and give her up, I would have never been able to, uh, I wouldn't even be here today to touch, to share with you guys what the Lord has done for me and for my life and, um, and just, you know, how he's guided everything. And so starts from my birth, and then he gives me that shoebox. Then he gives me an amazing family, and um, I'm confident that my family um, loves the Lord, and especially my parents who have guided my faith for a while, and then I was able to take my own faith and call it my own. And um, I honestly can say that I love the Lord so much, and I know that he is so very present um, in my life, and I'm just so thankful that He's chosen me uh, to be able to do this, to be able to speak, and to be able to um, just recognize His work in my life, and, and, and even through Operation Christmas Child, and how that's not affected just my life, but all the other shoeboxes that go around the world, that go even into different states and stuff like that. It just quite amazes me, and so that, you know, I love the Lord, and and I've been more, I ask that I am more aware of His presence, and um, so that's what my faith looks like. It is a beautiful testimony of God using man's efforts of seemingly insignificantly just packing a shoebox with some goodies, and him writing the story about a child coming to know him. In this case, it's Zarina Jensen, who got adopted right here in Oregon. So, Zarina, can you share with our listeners, perhaps the ones less familiar with Operation Christmas Child, what you find the most important thing about packing these shoeboxes? One of the most important things is one box equals one life. So when that box is distributed to to just the kids, these kids are changed. And one of the important things that we make sure to put into the boxes is prayer. And uh, when we pray for the boxes, that's when the Lord um, specifically takes that box and says, this kid needs this box, and this kid needs this box, and He guides it to every single kid. And one of the most important things is prayer, and I, I just... I want to, like, say any, to anybody that hasn't packed a shoebox before, and, um, you know, if, if you are so very inclined to, even just one shoebox changes one life. And um, as, as cliche as that might sound, there's so much truth in that. It changed my life, and I only needed one shoebox. I didn't need five to tell me that uh, God loved me and that I wasn't forgotten about. It was just one shoebox. And so um, there's an importance to this ministry and to all the shoeboxes that they have passed from 1993 till now, and they hope and continue to do more and more. And the more we pack, the more, the great, the more kids we reach. And um, and so I think the importance of it is just packing those shoeboxes. One of the opportunities that I like to offer to our listeners is an Operation Christmas Child packing party. You're welcome to join mm-hmm. our sister station, 104.1 The Fish, in Vancouver at Philida Baptist Church, Saturday, November 15th. And that is just one of many packing parties going on in the area. Many churches and, say, Christian bookstores like to volunteer their space to be collection areas. Throughout the Portland area, in fact, there are 25 such drop-off locations, and National Collection Week is just around the corner, November 17th, 
through the 24th. More information is available at OperationChristmasChild.org. Zarina Jensen, thank you so much for sharing your life, your experience, your history, and your testimony with our listeners here. Would you like to say hi to anyone else or any mentor figures or just, just give thanks? Um, well, thank you, first of all, for allowing me to come onto your radio station and just to um, share about my life story. I just want to um, thank my parents, who uh, I'm sure are listening to this, for making that brave decision and wanting to adopt me and um, choosing to give me another chance at life. And um, I'm just so very thankful for them. And uh, thank you, Mom and Dad, for loving me and taking me in and for adopting me. God bless you, Zarina Jensen. Thank you so much for spending time with us here today. OperationChristmasChild.org is the website, and you're listening to Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and we've got two very special guests in the studio today. Hal and Carrie Campbell are with Philida Baptist Church right in Vancouver. You can find out more information about a great Operation Christmas Child packing party that Philida Baptist Church is hosting, and that's going to be from 9 to noon on Saturday, November 15th. And our friends from the 104.1 Fish Street team will also be on hand to help out and bring smiles, joy, and merriment. Come on out and have a lot of fun. If you know a lot about Operation Christmas Child, you know it goes into a packing party. But for those of us who don't, Carrie, how would you like to enlighten us? Well, a packing party um, actually is a place where we prepare shoeboxes, we fill them up. We have all kinds of things that we've collected over the year to put into these shoe boxes, and they go to children around the world. Just lots of fun things for children who never have received a gift, never have received anything new. And uh, so this just brings special joy to their hearts when they receive these boxes. And as heard on the interview with Zarina Jensen, there's nothing quite like a kid living in a very impoverished country to receive a gift only for him or only for her. So tell us how you got involved with Operation Christmas Child in the first place, Hal. Well, it was sort of by accident, I think. Uh, We just began personally just doing a few boxes here and there and a few other people at the church. And then um, my organizational wife uh, decided to make a deal of it. And so (laughs) we began to do Hundreds, and uh, we're into 1,700 boxes this year. 1,700 boxes. Oh, my goodness. Now, when I think about Operation Christmas Child and the many, many churches in the Portland, Vancouver metropolitan area that are involved, I would think that a church drawing out a number of boxes like 1,700 has to be a super huge, big mega church with different campuses and stuff. So, Falida is a, a huge church like that, right? Oh, sure. No, wrong. <laughs> no. <laughs> Our congregation is about 200 people, and um, we have been very blessed because members of the community have joined with us in, in helping us to, to um, pack these boxes, and that's why we're able to do so many. But yeah, we just have a great time and. And uh, our little church feels like we can reach out to the world through these shoeboxes. No, you really can, and you do so much right. Operation Christmas Child is a division of Samaritan's Purse, which right. is spearheaded by Franklin Graham, the son of the legendary evangelist Billy Graham. And what exactly goes into a shoebox through Operation Christmas Child for those of us who've never packed a box before? <laughs> well, it's a lot, a lot of stuff, but it's pretty, pretty much uh, the same per box is uh, hygiene items and then uh, some school supplies for those who are old enough to enjoy those. 
and uh, stuffed toy. Every child everywhere needs uh, a stuffed toy, a teddy bear or something to, to snuggle with. And then other toys that we fill, finish filling the box up with. I've had the privilege of hearing more than one Operation Christmas Child shoebox recipient speak. Now, before we, we had Zarina Jensen from Southern Oregon, her name was Oksana, and she's in her 20s right now. And the testimony she shared just brought tears to our eyes. We were bawling. We were absolutely losing it hearing her tell about when she was growing up in this orphanage. She shared a toothbrush with yes. at least 20 other people. Yeah. So the fact that she got an Operation Christmas Child shoebox packed from someone here with love, with the love of Christ sent out, with girl-type toys, age-appropriate, and when you mention hygiene items, folks, we're talking about bar of soap. We're yes. talking about a toothbrush or mm-hmm. anything along those lines. The things that we take for granted, the things we leave behind at the hotel room every time we go out and visit grandma. And these are so cherished by these kids because they really are the poorest of the poor. Yes. So now that you're involved in Operation Christmas Child and you are, in my eyes, the little church that could because <laughs> 1,700 boxes out of a church of maybe 200 people. Aaron, I'm not... One, to think that churches are of an ideal size. There are great mega churches. There are great home churches. There's great everything in between by God's grace alone. So if we keep the main thing, the main thing, which is loving Christ and growing in him, being mentored and mentoring others, we tend to be more effective, in my opinion, and less in tune with programs over the great provider and programmer himself. So for a church that's not yet involved in Operation Christmas Child, that feels led in their heart, that they need to get off the ground, what suggestions would you have for them, Helen Carey? Well, first first off, uh, you can reach a child for, let's say, under $30 a box, and that child will take the message of Jesus Christ to that child and then to its family and then to its village. So it takes very little to get started. You can start by just suggesting that everyone pack a shoebox. Um, there's a lot of material av- available at uh, SamaritansPurse.org, and you can get free materials for packing the boxes and putting the labels on and instructions on how to do it. Uh, it's very easy, and it's so much fun. And the little kids can do it, and the grandmas can do it, and every age group can be involved and they're involved in taking the gospel around the world, literally around the world. Over a hundred different countries get these two boxes. Well, and the other thing too, I think, just we, the focus is on on around the world, and that's where these boxes go. But you are involving very easily people in your community who might not otherwise be involved because everybody, uh, almost everybody, loves children, and so to put the word child in it, uh, it, people will give and be involved in that and enjoy it and be attracted where maybe they wouldn't be to anything else. So maybe you could invite a friend, a coworker, or a neighbor along with you to the Operation Christmas Child Packing Party, whether it's at your own church or organization, or Saturday, November 15th at Philida Baptist Church in Vancouver. Details are at their website, philida.org, which is spelled F-E-L-I-D-A dot org. And that packing party is going to be going on Saturday, November 15th from 9 a.m. to noon. The street stream from 104.1 The Fish is going to be there from 10 to noon. And it's going to be a great time. So if you're curious, you want to get your feet just a little wet in the Operation Christmas Child experience, 
now's a great time to go. There certainly are other packing parties and experiences throughout the area with more information at SamaritansPurse.org. But this is a very convenient way to get together. You guys are really nice. <laughs> Where did you meet in the first place, Hal and Carrie Campbell? We met at WSU in Pullman, and we were involved. We were both involved in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Happened to meet there, and uh, just started dating and fell in love. Got married, and uh, we've been in ministry ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. One kind or another. Mm-hmm. Now, were you both Christians at the time you met? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Where did that begin for you, Hal? When did your faith become your own? Uh, well, I joke about going to church before I was born. But, uh, you know, it was about age 15 when it dawned on me that it needed to be my personal experience, and and I was accountable. And did anything lead to that in particular? Yeah. Actually, um, a little girl in our congregation who was nine died of leukemia, and uh, she um, that that whole thing got my attention. Actually, I had had the privilege of living six years longer than she had at that point, right? And so I thought, wow, this is, uh, you know, something I need to pay attention to. So that, that was it. So sadly, her death made you really take your faith seriously. So good came out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about for you, Carrie? Well, I grew up in a home where we attended church, and um, at, a, at a fairly young age, about 10, I um, made a profession of faith, and I was baptized. When I was in high school, I, I began reading my Bible and became more personal. And in college, when I was in university, I was really encouraged and really began to grow as a Christian there and, and see... Uh, the importance of being completely dedicated and, and in ministry no matter what we were doing the rest of our lives. So as a veteran, successful Christian married couple, what suggestions do you have for those in their late teens or early 20s going off perhaps for the first time to college? And with the temptations that are out there nowadays, how did you stay grounded and what advice can you give them? Very important to be intentional about your associations. It was uh, that that group on campus that uh, we hung out with and got connected with right away, and that uh, really was uh, very, very important. It emphasized both our own spiritual growth as well as the importance of um, spreading the gospel, reaching out to those we were in school with, and uh, sharing Jesus Christ with them. There were a couple that are, well, ordinary in a good sense, doing extraordinary things through Philida Baptist Church and Operation Christmas Child Ministry. And you can meet Alan Carey Campbell if you show up in Vancouver at Philida Baptist Church, Saturday, November 15th. And that is just one of many packing parties going on in the area. Many churches and, say, Christian bookstores like to volunteer their space to be collection areas. Throughout the Portland area, in fact, there are 25 such drop-off locations. And National Collection Week is just around the corner, November 17th through the 24th. More information is available at OperationChristmasChild.org. So thank you so much for you, Hal, and you, Carrie Campbell, joining us right here on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.